welcome to an interim edition of the Ravine Report. Uh, my name is Amanda. With me in spirit, if not actually on this episode, is a man whose beard is as red as his face when I talk about him, producer Jason. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Amanda R. Tubbs. You can follow the pod at Ravine Report Pod on Twitter as well. Um, so, in case you haven't figured it out by the fact that there is an episode, uh, yeah, the pod's Ravine Report is not completely dead. It's not totally alive. But no matter how many consecutive years I lose a podcast co-host in June, you can't keep a good narcissist down. So um, in the coming weeks, I will be hopefully, provided I have any drive or self-discipline, be bringing you a weekly episode of The Ravine Report featuring a rotating series of guest co-hosts, either fans of opposing teams that we'll be facing off against to give us kind of advanced scouting reports, or um, just general sports fans who have passed my extremely rigorous test of asking if they follow me on Twitter and if their DMs are open. So, um, yeah, I guess this is normally the time when I would do, like, the fun introductory rambling story thing that I I seem to do. Um, But since there's no one to tell a story to, it feels kind of weird and maybe related to the head trauma that I underwent over the weekend when I slipped in my apartment and hit my face on the floor while carrying a bowl of dog food. Um, I was completely sober at the time, which is somehow like both the most expected way for me to potentially die in my apartment while also being the least expected way because I always kind of thought that if I was going to die in my apartment alone, it would be because I was choking on a sushi roll that I had stuffed into my face too quickly because I didn't want it to fall apart into the little plastic tray. Um, but no, instead, I just like took a complete header on a particularly slick patch of floor um, and caught myself with my chin. So weirdly enough, the low point of that night was not the fact that I almost gave myself a concussion and wound up in a Culver City urgent care at 10 o'clock at night being offered painkillers by the by the doctor, even though I didn't want them. Um, but yeah, if you ever want to score some non-opioid pain medicines that um, will, however, after five days of use cause kidney failure, hit up the Culver City Urgent Care because there is a late night doctor who's just itching to prescribe those. Um, But yeah, the the low point of that night was not managing to injure myself in such a way that made people ask, but were you drunk? Uh, The low point was that the Dodgers almost gave up an eight-run lead to the Giants sometime between the point when I hit my face and the point when I left the urgent care. We did win that game. um, And it does kind of bring me around to the whole point of having this podcast, which is not for me to ramble aimlessly, but to talk about the Dodgers. Um, So I guess I will say that I have successfully done the fun pre-show banter and we should talk about this week's games. So as it stands, while I record this on Friday night, um, we're halfway through what feels like probably the 15th to 20th series that we've played against the Rockies this season. I don't know. It feels like we've played them a lot, maybe because going to Coors Field sucks, maybe because we saw them last week. It just, it feels like I've seen them several dozen times in the past two months. Um, But in the last two games, Coors Field has been just the most deeply Coors Field it has ever been. There have been 61 hits between the two games, a total of 41 runs scored. You know, just normal baseball stuff. Totally normal, 41 runs scored. Uh, my favorite analysis of this was um, 
was it Chad Moriyama, his headline for a Dodgers Digest recap of the game was just uh, Rockies 13, Dodgers 9, baseball question mark? Because, like, it's not even baseball. It's barely baseball. It's just kind of playing MLB is the show with your stats jacked up and then the difficulty set super easy. Like, I don't know why we're even discussing splitting a team between Montreal and Tampa Bay at this point when the, what the league really needs to focus on is figuring out how to add, like, gravity and an atmosphere to Coors Field because this is just getting absurd. Yesterday's game was pitched by Bueller. Today was Ryu. They're two of the best pitchers in the league this year. Um, and they got just completely demolished by the exact same team that they had dominated a week prior. And I, like, I know some of that is just what happens when baseball is fickle and cruel, but a lot of that is just this damn ballpark. Um, and even though, you know, both games were high scoring, they were very different offensively, which was interesting for the Dodgers. Uh, the first game saw the Dodgers scoring mostly through home runs. They hit six, so and that was actually a multi-home run game for Max Muncy, who continues to just absolutely own Coors Field to the point where, like, he should at this point have a beer sponsorship of some type. I don't know. They should. He should get in touch with Coors. Max Muncy, if you want me to be your agent, I'll do it. You should be getting, like, forget the tap the Rockies banquet of beers or whatever. Like, we need to have some Max Muncy Pull, like sitting at a bar the same way that Mila Kunis was hitting on women in bars as a lesbian ghost a few seasons ago for Jack Daniels. We need that, but Max Muncy may be turning into a wolf at the end. I'm not sure. I'm spitballing here. Um, but anyway, so tonight's game, unlike, so last night was a lot of home runs. Tonight's game was actually like they did a solid job of moving around the bases through some really smart base running and some good situational hitting. So even though we didn't actually get the win at the end, it was actually pretty encouraging to see that, um, to see that we were making, we were stringing together hits and runs rather than just hoping to rely on long ball, uh, especially since we are coming out of a pretty low scoring series in Arizona. So, you know, I think the last game we played in Arizona, I'll, uh, two, of the, two of the runs came from runs and then the third run came from two doubles hit back to back, but then otherwise... Uh, Robbie Ray pretty much kept us shut out. I think we had like five hits for the whole game. Um, so it's it's nice to see that we are still having those games where we can string it together because this is a team that is strongest when they're scoring with patient at-bats um, and they're not just knocking it out of the park. I mean, the, the home runs, six home runs in a game is really fun, but I don't think it's that big of a stretch to say that finding holes in the defense is going to be critical in the postseason. I mean, we've seen this in the past where when the guys are swinging out of their shoes trying to score home runs, we end up with a ton of runners left in scoring position. Um, part of this smaller ball, barrels are overrated offense, has been coming from the resurgence of Chris Taylor. So that's been a big story from the last few games. It's he CT3 heating up again. Um which, like, I think we've all been kind of waiting for because we know he can be this kind of player offensively. And so we've been getting to see him do the barrels are overrated handshake. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, it's also been fun to hear Joe Davis describe him as the hottest Dodger, even though I would, uh, I would argue that maybe top five, but with that tooth to gum ratio, definitely not top three. 
um, which I know is going to upset at least two to three people who are listening to this right now. Please still give me five stars. We have a lot of ground to make up on the iTunes rating and review section. Um, Actually, I forgot to do that at the top of the show. If you haven't already, please rate and review five stars. Help out with the uh, algorithm because, weirdly enough, gotten a couple bad reviews in the last few few weeks. Don't know why. Can't imagine if there was anything that happened that would lead to some bad reviews for this podcast. Um, but if you haven't already, please rate and review it. I owe some people some dinosaur drawings of their um, Twitter icons, but I, that requires sitting down and doing a really bad dinosaur drawing. So, you know, I won't remember to do that anytime soon. Anyway, um, I guess I should go back to talking about baseball. So (laughs) another notable thing from the past few games that definitely needs to be commented on is that whether you like the move or not, it's definitely been interesting to see Jock move to first base, like, which like on the one hand, it is great. I, I, I love that we're at a point in the season where the lead that we have, we have a, we had a 13-game lead, is big enough that the front office can feel comfortable taking this kind of a risk. But I do think it would have been nice if they'd waited till after like the All-Star break because we have all this divisional play over the... the basically, the last two weeks and the next week have all been divisional play. But then after the All-Star break, we come back to the bottom of the NL East. We come up, go up against the Phillies and the Nationals and the Marlins, which seems like a really good time for us to experiment with teaching Jock a new position. Because, like, I'm not a parent, but I would assume that if you're trying to teach your kid to sleep in a big boy bed, you don't do it the week when you have a really big work presentation. And trying to get Jock to remember to go to first base instead of the outfield is sort of like trying to get him to sleep in a race car bed for the first time. Um, but it's like it's interesting that every year we have talked about Jock as trade bait. Um, but this is giving him, or at least is an attempt at giving him some job security. Because like this is a team that enjoys versatility. You know, we've seen it where they play Austin at second. We've seen... Kike play every position. We've seen a lot of that flexibility, but teaching an outfielder to play an entirely new position is kind of a step beyond for us. So I guess then the question becomes, is it that they don't want to trade him at all? Um, Have they tried to move him in the past and they couldn't get what they, like maybe they couldn't get what they thought that they wanted for him or what he was worth. And now they're trying to figure out how to save their investment. I'm not sure. But it's interesting how hard they're trying to keep a spot for him. And he had, I mean, his April and May were fantastic. His June has been really weak offensively. And I know they want his right-handed bat in the lineup, but this can't be that it's just he's, they have that much faith in him. It's, I think, has to be more than that. Because this is a team that's pretty ruthless when it, like the front office is pretty ruthless. They're not very sentimental about like, keeping around the guys they like just because they like them. So it's definitely a surprise to see that they're trying to fill this hole, at first, like not a hole, but trying to fill first base with Jock rather than just assume that they're going to start having to platoon him. Um, in terms of our bullpen, it's been, it's been a relief. Get it? Because, yeah, uh, so the, the puns, the puns always happen. I'm sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, it has, it's been a relief uh, to see the bullpen slightly improving, 
like Kelly's had a couple of good outings. Um, I think they talked a little, I've heard it in a couple places now that basically they realized part of the problem is that he's throwing weight. He was throwing way too many pitches. Boston had him throwing a four seamer, a two seamer. He has just way too many pitches. And as a relief pitcher, you only need two. You don't need to have the same number of pitches as an, you know, a starter does. Um, so having him focus on his two seamer, I can't remember what the other one is. I want to say it was change up maybe, um, maybe a change up, but yeah, having Kelly focus on like two pitches and really get confident in those, we've been starting to really see that pay off. Um, I mean, he didn't have a great game tonight, but no one had a great game tonight. So I can't really fault him for that. Uh, Baez continues to be just ridiculous. I mean, I still can't quite believe that Pedro Baez, like Pedro Baez, he is the most consistent part of our bullpen at this point. And not like in a, oh God, Pedro Baez is the most consistent part of our bullpen kind of way. He just is. Pedro Baez gives no fucks. And I appreciate that. He just stuck it out and then just kept going. And now he's good. It's just the weirdest. And like, I'm so happy for him, but still so weird. Um, but he has been consistently. I mean, he, he didn't even get course fielded last night. Um, Kenley almost did. Kenley's like still having those hold your breath outings. But he at least did get himself out of the ninth last night. Like it was, it was risky there for a second. He had a lot of traffic on the bases. But he managed to not lose the game. And none of the balls went out. So, you know, small victories. Um... But, like, it's still, he's still worrisome. And I appreciate that he he has said that he wants to get back to being the kind of player that he was where batters see him and they worry. But, like, I, I need to know how he's going to do that because it's getting to the point where I don't, I don't see that happening again. Like, does anyone see that happening? Does anyone see him going back to being unstoppable? I don't, I don't know. I, it might just be past Kenley's time, in which case we're going to need to do something before the all-star, before the uh, trade deadline. And I really hope it's not Will Smith because that's very confusing to already have one on the team and then one in the box office. Um, but yeah, I, at this point, I think our best bet is to move Russell Martin into the pen and bring up catcher Will Smith back to catch because, I mean... He's boring as hell, but he is good. And Russell Martin has still a zero ERA through his two outings. Um, ridiculously efficient outing the other night to, to, to just, I, I still can't get over it. I mean, look, he doesn't have the finesse of Kike. He does have a great booty. Um, there's been some very, very good pictures of him on the mound, just thick with multiple C's. Um, but I gotta give it to him. Like he was, I think he was a pretty good fly ball pitcher. I don't know why we can't bring him in more often at this point. Um, looking forward to the rest of the, basically for the next week, um, we have to survive cores. We have two more games there, which, and then we go back again in another few weeks, which is just like, I don't know why Rob Manfred hates joy so much 
But yeah, we have another two games at Coors. Then we have a day off, which is good. Go back to sea level. And then we have two games stand against the Diamondbacks. And then another four-game series against the Padres. So that's all of the right. And then we head up and then we hit the All-Star break. So we have, what's that, eight more games within our division. And then we get to the All-Star break. And then we have a nice little stretch of getting kind of into more of an East Coast circuit. Like Looking forward, I want to be optimistic through the rest of this week, but it's a really tough sequence. Um, I think it was Rick Krajewski had done, had done like an analysis of it, but historically, the series after Coors Field is just always a tough one. I mean, this losing streak that we had at the beginning of the year happened right after our series in Colorado. So I think we have to prepare ourselves that the stretch heading into the All-Star break is going to be tough. Um, it, like I, I want to be an optimist about it, but I think that's just what it is. We've got Kershaw going tomorrow, and like I'm terrified, which is not how I want to feel before a Kershaw start. And it makes me feel bad, and it makes me feel kind of like um, a lapsed Catholic, like I would, or how I would assume a lapsed Catholic would feel, which is deeply guilty and like they're going to hell, um, but also kind of realistic about it. I'm, I don't know. I don't know why I'm projecting this all onto, onto Catholics. I'm sorry. This is just what I'm assuming from like having watched Fleabag. Um, but I do, I, I am, I feel really bad, but given like, given his performance in Arizona wasn't great. The heat in Denver is absurd. The heat, the dry air, and the elevation. If his slider doesn't have any movement on it, and we have no reason to think that it will at this point, then there's a real chance it's going to be the ugliest start of the season for him. And I really, really, really hope I'm proven wrong. But it's just likely at this point that what we're about to see tomorrow is going to really suck. Um... And we're just going to have to hope that the Rockies pitcher gives up more runs than Kershaw is going to. Um, I mean, like we saw Ryu's worst start of the season today. And up until this point, he's been a pitching steamroller. It was Bueller's worst start of his career. And again, just, I mean, dude pitched a complete game the other week. So it's just... If Kershaw's slider doesn't work, I really hope he doesn't keep throwing it harder, which is what he sometimes does, where, like, his pitch doesn't land, his location isn't where he wants it to be, and so he just keeps pushing harder to make it work, and then he just gives up more home runs. So, hopefully that's not what happens. Um, maybe we'll get to see more of his curveball as a put-away pitch, but I'm, I'm worried. Maida... Kenta could be locked in. He could be the Kenta that we saw in San Francisco, which would be catastrophic. It's, I mean, the last two games we played and the series played that Colorado played prior to us, the pot with, I think it was the Padres, which had like record number of home runs. I think there were like somewhere between 50 to 7,500 home runs given up in this, in their homestand. I don't know. It was something stupid. And given that, I just, I think Saturday and Sunday are going to end up being 
high-scoring, weird, exhausting games. I, I just, I hate being negative about this, but man, I am so fucking done with Coors Field. After the Colorado series, like I said, we have the two games against the D-backs, the four-game series against the Padres. I mean, we get to have a day off of rest to kind of readjust and then be on home turf, which is the big difference between this game and the last game, the last time that we played at Coors Field. We went on to, I think, the next day play St. Louis. Um, So we get a little bit of time. The guys get some time to readjust, to recharge, be at home, all of that, which is good. Um, But I think if I've done the kind of counting out right, we're probably going to have the first game be a bullpen game, um, I would assume, with Stripling, probably Stripling opening, given that Gonsolin's gone back down to the minors already. Um, so we would have Stripling start and then a bullpen game, which against the D-backs isn't super encouraging because they kind of have our number. Um, so hopefully we end up splitting that series. I just, I like, I hate... I, I don't feel good about it, um, especially because, like, losing to the Giants sucks, but it's a historic rivalry, and there's something, like, it gets you, but it's invigorating. When we lose to the Diamondbacks, it always just so much worse because it gives them this false sense of relevance, and they they aren't. It's not a rivalry. The Diamondbacks and the Dodgers don't have a rivalry. The Diamondbacks think they do, but it's... No, it's like the reply guys in Chrissy Teigen's mentions who think that they stand a chance with her. Like, that's, no, she hasn't even, she doesn't even have you, she doesn't even, she doesn't even have your notifications showing up because she only gets notified by people she follows. So, no. Same thing with the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. They're not, the Dodgers don't notice. But man, it makes the Diamondbacks insufferable. Um, as for the Padres, great, yeah, I mean, more Manny probably hitting home runs. Manny will probably have our number again. Um, I'm sort of Manny-nostic. I don't really have an opinion on him. I didn't love him when he was on our team in the sense that I didn't like the fact that he didn't run it out. Not because it's not playing the game the right way, just because I thought that there were a lot of times where it was like, well, dude, you're kind of giving up a a chance. Um and I never felt he had the same charming arrogance of Puig. I always thought his arrogance was always just a little less interesting. But, um, and you know, I, I love a good narrative. And he just didn't have, like, a narrative. There was just kind of, he was just sort of sucked as a person. That was just kind of it. But um, still no reason to boo him. Like, I'm glad he's not on our team. It's There's no reason to boo the dude. We didn't need him on our team. And there's no re- it's like booing Bryce Harper. Like, why would you... Why would you waste that energy? Um, but beyond that, it's hard to say for sure what's going to happen with the Padres, especially because we haven't heard who the starters and who Doc is bringing along to pitch in the All-Star game. I mean, we're assuming it's going to be Ryu. I think everyone's assuming at this point. Don't know who else he'll be bringing along. Maybe Bueller. I'd be surprised if he doesn't bring Kershaw. That seems like a thing he has to do. Um, but I don't know how that affects what our pitching rotation, like what our starter rotation will be for the Padres game. So it's really hard to say with any certainty beyond, man, I hope that we don't end up on another long losing streak like we did after the last course field. Um, but we'll see, I guess. 
And then we head into the All-Star break and then a series against the hated ones in Boston, um, which that I will have theoretically for the next. So um, looking forward to kind of talk, I guess, a little bit about what's going on with the podcast going forward. I'm out of town next week. Uh, weirdly enough, going to Boston, but not for the series, which was a poor bit of timing on my part. Um, but hopefully when I come back, we will have a, I will have a guest host, co-host, um, my friend Gabrielle, who some of you have probably seen on Twitter. Um, she's a huge diehard Red Sox fan. And so she's going to give us, cause I don't pay attention to pretty much any other team in the league. She's going to help give a little bit of analysis about what to expect with the Red Sox series. Um, so we'll have that going on next time that we do an episode. Hopefully around uh, Monday the 8th will be the next episode. Um, so that's that, which is absolutely out of order because there's other stuff still to talk about. So, um, okay, I guess let's transition to the next section. Man, being on my own is weird. I am currently doing this lying in bed, uh, staring at the ceiling. <laughs> this is very strange. I hope that my neighbor doesn't think I'm crazy because I know these are really thin walls. Okay, anyway, um, next big thing is just uh, to cover a little bit of what's going on in a broader sense about baseball. Fun new trend, running onto the field. How do I feel about it? You'll find out in a second. Did you know in just one week a mosquito can go from egg to adult? And I'm here to tell you what you can do once a week to prevent this from happening. You gotta dump the water out, drain the water flow, tip the water out, toss the water slow. Let's all pitch in and help, good for the environment and good for your health. You gotta dump the water out, drain the water flow, tip the water out, toss the water slow. Let's all pitch in and help, good for the environment and good for your health. Hello world, it's Metamorphosis on your station. I'm here to share with you just a bit of information. Like why female mosquitoes like to bite because they use your blood to lay eggs at another site. So watch out for that flying mosquito. Make you itch and scratch like a wrecking needle. To prevent this from happening by repellent. At your local pharmacy is where they sell it. EPA registered, CDC recommended. Disease control is what's intended. To prevent you from getting west now and the Zika virus. Help your community not be a high And make sure that your pool pump is working. And don't forget the chlorine, now it's really working. And don't leave standing water in water buckets. And even in ponds, that water's not to be all right, guys, so what we have to talk about is uh, this whole running onto the field thing. And I know that the masses, the, the Ravine Report, I, I got to think of another name other than rats, because let's be real, I was never crazy about that. Um, but the, the dozens of you who are listening to my every word and who haven't completely stopped listening immediately once you realize that this was just going to be like 30 minutes of me rambling. Um, I know you all want to hear my opinion on this. And yeah, it was hilarious to see the photos the first time around because Cody's throwing up deuces. There's a teenager pinned to the ground by grown men. There was something inherently funny about it. Um, also, I am easily amused and I love a good meme. And don't get me wrong. There is nothing that I would like more in life than to feel the warm press of Cody Bellinger's broad chest against my cheek as 
the heady mix of weed and Axe body wash and the four-day-old clothes that he picked up off the floor. It just washes over me. But this man is good at one thing in life, um, and that is playing baseball. Okay, and also probably fashioning bongs out of, like, produce and household objects. But most importantly, he's really fucking good at baseball. And the one thing that we should not be doing right now is distracting him from being really fucking good at baseball. We are at a crossroads. We are almost at, we are almost at the, the halfway point in the season. We are about to head into the All-Star break and then plow through the last couple months, hopefully avoid the Bob Nightingale curse and make it God willing and baseball Satan willing to the postseason. On the one end of this crossroads is the slow descent into mediocrity as we regress to the average. On the other end, maybe at long last we can get to the point where we don't have Giants fans in all of our Twitter mentions talking about how many rings we have in the last century. You guys, the ice caps are melting. Temperatures are at an all-time high. It's going to be like 105 degrees in Spain this weekend. The world is probably not going to be around in 30 years, and I would really, really like to see the Dodgers win a World Series before we all have to move into underground bunkers because the Earth is no longer habitable. So basically, stop running onto the field and hugging Cody Bellinger because I need to see a goddamn World Series parade, and it's not going to happen if Cody Bellinger's paranoia from the weed is extending to when he's on the playing field. All right, so um, I am sick of talking. So I think I'm just going to end the episode because that seems like a reasonable thing to do. (laughs) If you've made it this far, thank you for listening. This was genuinely one of the the most anxiety-inducing things I've done in a while. Um, So, you know, that's cool. Um, That wraps it up for this episode of the Ravine Report. Um, If you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Amanda R. Tubbs. That's Amanda R. Tubbs with two Bs. Um, Follow the report at at Ravine Report Pod. Um, If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast on whatever device or program you listen to it on. Um, But definitely, if you have a few minutes, please rate and review it on iTunes. Um, Have a couple of one-star reviews that we want to kind of balance out. Um, Oh, if you don't, check out the... uh, There's another podcast for the Dodgers Lowdown on the Dodgers Lowdown family. Um, It's the Lowdown. It is about the minor league system, and it's really great. So listen to that. you can also always send me an email to, uh, what's the email? Oh, ravinereportpod at gmail.com. And that's, that's it. I think that's everything. So huge thanks to, uh, the as always, to producer Jason, who will be making this sound listenable. Um, see you guys in like a week. Hopefully, maybe. All right, bye. It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah.